mean, you've been putting in work for so long. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Putting In Work. I'm John O'Peck, and this week we're joined by Matt Neal, who has done so many things uh, that it's hard to remember them all, but I became friends with Matt through working next to him at the newspaper in Warrnambool. Uh, he's a film critic as well as a journalist, and he's released albums with bands, solo, and he's now written a book alongside Scottish crime author Tony Black. You can check out Bay of Martyrs online at all good bookshops, including Amazon. And uh, we're going to talk to Matt about the different things he's done in writing, from writing scripts, movie reviews, to journalism, and now a novel. Matt's advice as a writer has been really invaluable to me as I started to write my book last year and work on getting that published. And the idea for my book even came from a podcast that we used to do together 80 episodes while we were both working together at the Warnable Standard. And the rest is kind of history. So strap in and enjoy the show. Briefly, we listened to the start of the pod we did where we pitched our ideas because I posted a link to the Roger Rabbit thing yeah. the other day. I started listening to the bit of that and um, I was like, yeah, we had good like flow and rap yeah. tea and the intro is good and I was all like, yeah. You mean the podcast in general? Yeah. Yeah. That's the podcast where the, I got the idea for my yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> so this is actually our 81st podcast together. Yeah, cool. Did we finish on number 80? We did, we? yeah. Cool. So there you go. we're here to talk about you, <laughs> but you've done so many things. So I don't know where to start, but you've got a book coming out, what, in a week, essentially? Uh, March 23rd in the UK. Yes. And available online. Yes. What? Yes. You can pre-order it from all sorts of places. So that's probably the best place to start. You've got a copy of the book or multiple copies. What was it like to actually hold that book and say, this is what my life has been for the last year? <laughs> Well, it didn't really feel like that's that's what it's been for the last year, but it does... It's taken up part of your brain for that long. Or yeah. Longer. It was surprisingly a small amount of my brain, really. Like, it was all-consuming for, like, a month and a half or two months, writing it, and then kind of just dip in and dip out. And I had a, had a kid in that period of time, too, so... Yeah, sure. You know, like, um, I was doing... I did, uh, like, the my my second draft like within weeks of Reggie being born. Mm. And then once that was done, there was this like weird sort of waiting game, you know, like you've got with your book, but like with those publishers looking at it, you know, and you just kind of dip in and dip out of it. And then mm. every so often I get an email saying, um, Oh, Hey, I've just, I've made some changes. Oh, no, I've made, you know, there's something from an editor saying, what do you think of these edits? You know, you, you'd go back into it for a day or two or whatever, but the moment of um, of the books arriving it was the first time it felt really real. Like mm-hmm. even though, you know, you sign a contract and you get money put in your account and you see the front cover and all this kind of stuff, but it's all still kind of intangible until it really rocks up. And that's the moment it feels real. Yeah, uh, That's the first time I've kind of allowed myself to think, oh, wow, I'm an author. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you've been many things. You you've recorded tons of music, probably more than most normal people. <laughs> yes, an abnormal amount an abnormal, of music. Yeah, of different differing 
levels of quality and professionalism. Like you put out a solo album that was really well done and you've done stuff with bands, but you've also done a ton of home recording. Mm-hmm. You've been writing movie reviews for the newspaper and general journalism for the better part of 15 years or so. Yep. So how does the book line up with the other project you've worked on? What's, what, have the, what have they have in common with each other in terms of the work that's required to, to get them out? A book's a lot more like a marathon, like if the others are shorter sprints or middle distance stuff, the book is definitely a marathon because you just sheer amount of words. I've never really, I, I can't, I've kind of differentiated and not differentiated between different kinds of writing. Mm. It's always just, it's all under one umbrella of writing and I like writing different things. So yeah. I just, I've always been really interested in having a crack at anything. So whether it be writing a court story for work for the paper or having a go at writing a pilot for a TV show or writing uh, an, an EP of country songs or writing a, a crime novel, they all kind of feel the same. They all exercise the same muscles, but they just all have different rules. So once you figure out the different rules to things and you know your way around words, then they're all kind of the same. They just all play by different rules. Uh, yeah, they're all kind of the same thing, but different in their own way. So, I mean, the, the big difference with the, the book was trying to get an idea for, you know, what is the style of this? What are the, what are the rules? How long does it have to be? How is it broken down? How do you get to that length? And doing it with a co-writer made it so much easier because he kind of gave me the guidebook to it yeah. to a certain extent. Like before I started, he sent me a list of do's and don'ts, basically, you know, don't use a lot of adverbs. Sure. Keep your point of view consistent in a, in a chapter, you know, all that kind of stuff. The stuff that I used to tell you about in movie reviews. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think adverbs are okay in movie yeah. reviews. I'm going to stand by that one. Yeah. Because you're describing something and yeah. adverbs do that really well. The, the, like I've kind of, I've said this to a lot of people. I feel like I've cheated in terms of getting published and writing a book. Yeah. Uh, because I just, my advice now to writers is latch on to someone who's already published. <laughs> and that's what I did. But my co-writer, Tony Black, who is a really good writer and he's written, you know, this is, I think his 13th book or something. And the way the process worked was he laid out all, he plotted the book. And gave me a rough chapter map of how it should progress from chapter one to chapter 40. With not every chapter filled in, but roughly like here's your end of your first act. Here's your second turn. Here's your big reveal. Here's the, you know, the big peak moment, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of had it handed to me on a plate really. But that's, it's, but it's no different to when you write, go to write anything and you ask people for advice. You know, if you've never written a sports story before, you have a look at other sports stories and you talk to the venerable veteran sports report, sports reporter and go, what do I need to know? And, you know, those kind of things. It's all, and, you know, same with writing songs. If you, you know, you look at other songs that go before you, what you're trying to do, and you pick up things, whether consciously or subconsciously. But, yeah, they're, they're all kind of the same. And I think if you're handy with words, you can apply it in all those different streams. Easily enough. It's, it's, it's all about the rules, I think. Yeah. There's essentially formula for writing anything. Yeah, that's yeah. formula. That's a good, yeah. good word for it. <laughs> rules is what I'm... Yeah, that's, yeah formula. <laughs> it's all math terms. <laughs> yeah. So, you get, even in a news story, there's an intro. 
then you have quotes, then you have maybe a different perspective, and then, you know, the essential information that has to be included there before you finish it, so... Yeah, and, you know, I found writing movie reviews very quickly, I looked to see what my predecessor did, that was Rick Bain, who was the editor at the Standard, and he encouraged me to do movie reviews, basically to go and see all the crap films he didn't want to go and see, <laughs> but... I had a look at his... I can't remember if I had, I had just looked at his stuff and figured it out or if he sort of said, you just do this. But I quickly figured out, you get like, a couple of parts of context of the film and then uh, sum up the plot in a couple of parts and then the rest of it is just your thoughts on it and try and touch on all the different aspects you feel you need to. What was good, what was bad. Yeah, yeah. and then it's, that's all it is. It's three parts. It's each bit's this long roughly and the way you go. You know, and then what, the other thing too is that once you know the rules and what the formula is, it's easier to subvert it and find interesting ways to mess with it. Mm. Um, and that's something I've done probably more with songwriting than a lot of other kinds of writing I've done. But a lot of it's about formulas and understanding the tone and style of things. So when it comes to a book, you've got so much more room to be creative than you do writing even a movie review, but especially a news article or a long-form article even. So how do you... Uh, embrace that but also show the restraint that needs to happen yeah i th- yeah i was really conscious like partway through writing the um second book at the moment i'm about a third of the way through the first draft of that and i was really conscious when i started writing it i was reading michael chabon book telegraph avenue which is really cool but i was really desperate to get finished reading that because i was worried that his style of writing like you know he's very he's Incredible turns of phrase, big words I don't know the meaning of. I have to look up. Yeah, um, You know, he's very literary, literary, and his descriptions are almost they're not quite Tolkien esque. That you know, over describes things. But he really, you realise. Oh, I've just read three massive paragraphs about someone, <laughs> the way they walk or something. You know, like it's pages and pages without any dialogue. Yeah, but and w- without even well, without even any action either yeah. as well. So. I was conscious I didn't want to like be have that come into the style of, of doing what I was doing so I was re- trying to cram through this book to get it out of the way but then when I was even while I was still reading that and writing I, I realised oh no I think my own style of writing in the first book and in this one it's really especially first drafts um, my co-writer said it's really breathless so I think I just naturally don't over mm. describe stuff anyway I, I is that know. from being a journalist, do you think? Because I don't know when I've been writing, it's kind of the concept of a news article is here's the essential information. Mm. But when you can write something creative, you just flower it up a bit more. I think it was more, like, especially on the first one, I wanted to know what happened next. So I was just kind of racing through it. Like You didn't know it was going to come. No, I didn't fully... The plot, like, I mean, I'd... Like, I'd, I'd sort of I'd worked on a synopsis with Tony and then he'd sort of taken away the notes and come back and given me like a six page synopsis for the for the book and I read that like a, a few weeks before I started writing and then I got the chapter map and then I sort of forgot about the synopsis so what I actually wrote was a little bit different in certain places the key things from it had stuck in my head and a few other bits that I'd obviously not given much thought to just disappeared so I didn't as I was writing it I kind of didn't know how it was going to fully transpire. So I think I dodged being overly flowery or verbose on things because I was just rushing through it to find out what happened at the end. Yeah. 
and I'm kind of doing that with this with the second book as well. I still don't know how it's going to fully transpire because there's a couple of things in the synopsis and the, the chapter breakdown for the second book that uh, as soon as I started writing, they didn't sit right with me, and I'm I'm kind of throwing some subplots out the window and adapting things so it holds together better. So I don't know how my co-writer is going to go, but he liked what I did the first time around. Um, so I assume he's going to like it this time. But I've, yeah, I think I just avoided that by, I just, I write really fast, I think is the thing. And I, cause I'm just, I'm, cause I can, I can type really fast yeah. and I'm trying to keep up with how my brain is going. So I just kind of tear through things mostly. Yeah. So you uh, alluded to leapfrogging some of the usual grind that a first time author goes through. Like you have to go through. <laughs> I have to go through yeah. by latching on to an established author. Hey, maybe my next book I can write with you. Because you're an, you're a published author now, so I can yeah. latch on to you. I think I'm still a pretty small fry, though. I don't think I don't think I'll be much help. But you yeah, got to sure. put in the door. Yeah, just think of me when you're on the <laughs> New York Times. You know, it, it might be easy for you to you know have that maybe doubt in the back of your mind that whether you've earned it or not. But how do you justify it? Do you think that your relationship with Tony is the result of? him recognizing your talent as a writer over many years of friendship, but also working alongside you and seeing all these different projects, you were able to bring a, a level of, of uh, not only skill to, but um, you've definitely got a sense of voice that a lot of people struggle to develop. Yeah. I, I look, I don't know what his thought process was, um, but he did make me do like a test chapter. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume he was, he thought, yeah, okay, we'll have a crack at this. We've talked about it for a long time. I mean, I've known Tony. We worked together at the paper like 15 years ago. We worked together for a couple of years. He went back to Scotland. Me and my wife went over and stayed with him over there. He came back over here, caught up. He came and stayed at um, my folks' place in Port Ferry. We always kind of kept in touch and always sort of like, I guess kind of like joked about writing a book together. Mm. And last time he was in Australia, he said, um, yeah, I've always wanted to write a crime novel set in Warrnambool. And I said, well, man, that can be the book we do together. Let's do that. He's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then when I like actually nailed him down on it and said, let's do it. Let's actually do this thing. He said, okay, cool. All right. Well, look, I've got, I've got a rough plot. Um, let's flesh that out. We talk about the characters. And so he may say, look, I want you to make sure you've got your head around the characters. So write me a couple of page bios on them. So I did that. He said, all right, now take those characters, write me a, a test chapter. And so I wrote a couple of chapters, which aren't in the, aren't in the book. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And I've, so I don't know if that was a test mm. or like him just to confirm, oh, like, I know he can write as a journalist. Let's mm. see if he can actually do this. Or just go, I think he can do this. Let's, let's see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <coughs> but do you see it, do you see it as like a almost karmic level of payback for all the stuff that you've done? Like you've done short stories, I'm guessing you've written a script for a Roger Rabbit sequel that no one's ever going to see. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I really want, I want to mention that in every interview I do for this book. Yeah. Just so that it gets out there someday. Someone's going to see it. Who, who made that movie? Robert Zemeckis. So Robert Zemeckis is going to have a Google alert for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And it's going to come in his inbox that this guy in Warrnambool yep. has a sequel ready to go. Yep. That's that's basically my hope. I figure that's the only way it's going to get, get made. 
Is it a karmic? Is it a payoff? Well, I don't believe in karma, but do you believe no. that that all those things you've done have led to this point? In a in a skill sense, I think it has. Mm. It's like, it was the one thing. Does I it have, feel earned? Is what I mean. Uh, look, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's earned. Um, in a skill sense, it was like it felt like the one thing I hadn't had a crack, crack at writing because you know you, if, if, I don't know, I'm sure there's things I haven't done, but the list of things I have done writing wise at least had a go at is is fairly long and doing a novel was the one thing I kind of still had in my bucket list that I wanted to try and do have I earned, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that you can I don't know that you ever sort of earn that in a karmic or non-karmic <laughs> sense I just it was something I was always going to have a crack at and I was just very very fortunate uh, that I knew the right person that could guide me through it and also make it a fun experience and then we also worked really well together like I mean, that's the, the big thing about it. As much as um, Tony plotted it and I wrote the first draft and then Tony did his draft over the top of mine and then I did my my next draft over the top of that. So, it was, you know, it was a really... I can see how that that way of working could be really fraught and that if your personalities or your styles don't mesh together, then it just would break down very easily. So I think it was just lucky I had to found the right person to write it with but I'm a, I'm a really big believer that a lot of these kind of things especially from being in a band that so much of it like if you make it in a band in inverted commas so much of it about it is being at the right place at the right time yeah. and I think with this book it was that it was the right place at the right time I knew the right it's, and so much of it's about who you know not what you know I knew the right person to help me through it it was he was at the right place in his career to, to actually help give give someone a leg up and he picked me to be that person. But also it was the right time where I actually had time to do it, you know, and it was and and was so uh, practiced in my writing and able to apply myself to do that in, in the right way. I mean, I've, I tried to write novels before. I got probably 20,000 words through a book that I've drafted and redrafted like four or five times and i know now i'm, I'm really glad that that never got published because it'd be crap trash yeah but i know now how i could it could be better and what's right and what's wrong with it but it took probably until i was 35 to probably probably be ready to write a book sure so what would you say has been the hardest part the hardest work involved in getting this book out given that you skipped the usual rigmarole of <laughs> querying and you know, publishers and agents. and Well, this that's, I think that is the hardest part. The, the business side of any of these yeah. creative endeavors is the hardest part, whether, whether it be music or, or writing books or the, this little script work I've done. It's always the creative side of it is fun and that's yeah. cool. Uh, but it's always the business side that is the hard work. And I managed and I managed to skip all that really. Like Tony talked to the publishers um, cause it was a company that had published him before. Like we had two companies sort of, um, looking at the manuscript. Mm. Um, I mean, the hardest part has been trying to get an Australian publisher on board cause it's not actually getting published here yet. Yeah. And I've had it, but even then the few interactions I've had have been easy to deal with, even though they haven't come to anything, but, um, so I should really, so, I should really be interviewing Tony. <laughs> maybe well, for the, that hard, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, like I said, it's right time, right time, yeah. right place. The, the hardest part was has been sort of dealing with the multiple 
you have to go over the same book again and again, you know, as you understand that you, you, you write it once and that that's probably the majority of the legwork done, but then there's all this finessing that has to go on. And we had editors, the editor we had was really good and all that stuff was great. And then we had another second batch of edits come through and then there was like sort of formatting edits and things. It's just like, it's just, that's the hardest part because it's just the icing on top that seems to take forever and it feels like that's less fun and more work because it's not being creative. But it's, it goes on for months and months before your book actually comes out. Okay. And being someone that's done so many different kinds of writing, what would be your advice for people, whether they want to do movie reviews, whether they want to you know, be a journo or write books or film treatments or whatever it is? In terms of general writing, like across all of those sort of spheres, the best advice I got was that you should try and write you want to be a writer you should try and write for at least an hour every day you should treat it like an athlete would an athlete trains every day yeah. they, you know because they're working those muscles so they get better and a writer should do the same thing and my uh, writing teacher i had uh, at tafe who was the best teacher i've ever had in my life he was a big uh he he, he was he really pushed that idea that no matter what it is you're trying to write, even if you just sit there and just write drivel, you throw in the bin at the end of an hour, but you should do it for an hour. Um, so when, um, so I've, I've always tried to do that and I've never been successful at doing it all the time. But when I get in bursts, you know, the writing gets better. Mm. So I think it works and I think it's a, a good, that's probably the best advice I can, I can give. But I mean, in terms of different kinds of writing, like we were saying before, a lot of it's about understanding the formula. It's about understanding the style of it and the tone and the voice of it. So if you want to, um, if you want to write movie reviews, you should read a lot of movie reviews. That's basically the thing. And then you'll write movie reviews that'll be crap for years and years. And then finally, at some point, you'll go, "Oh, I think I'm getting the hang of this." Mm. It's it's just the it's just doing it, but also understanding it i mean with music it's a little bit different i think um i don't think a lot of musicians i've seen it come across a lot of musicians and i feel like they don't like actively listen to music like really intently i think they just kind of passively let it wash over and they take what they want from it but i think you need to like really you understand it better the more you really drill down into it i think a lot of it's about understanding the process and the particulars of things, you know, how, sure. why does that sentence work or why does that line work in the song? That's the, the things I think that I found more important. Once you kind of get the basic mechanics of writing and understanding that, it's when you look at something and go, so why is that good? Mm. And that's when you start getting a, a better understanding for, for things. It's about being a really, a much more active, um, or uh, active recipient of, the things you're trying to do yourself. So you, you, when you're reading a, a, a movie, really, when you're reading a book, and you get to the end of it and go, that was, that was awesome, the, the trick is to go back and go through, why was that awesome? What yeah. it particularly was good about each each line or each bit that really jumped out of you? Yeah, it actually reminds me of something I read from Chuck Closeman once, an author and writer that we're both big fans of, but mm-hmm. it was, how does this make me feel and why? 
Like that's yeah. his approach to uh, analysis. Yeah. Because anyone can say Britney Spears is trash or, mm. you know, but why? Like how does it make you feel? Yeah. And why? Like that's the approach. That's it. And that's I've always thought like, the, I've always thought the job of a movie reviewer, anyone can walk out of a movie and say, oh, that was good. That was great. That was crap. But the trick is to say why. And that's, I think, what I, when you sort of figure that out, and it's just a simple thing, really. But when you figure out that, you know, and, and, and breaking it down even further, when you say the script is great or the, the cinematography is great, and then it's like, well, why is it great? That's the bit when you kind of start drilling down into it, getting a better understanding of it, and then becoming a better writer because of that. So my last question, Matt, is something that I ask everyone. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? If I could do anything and know I wouldn't fail, what would I do? I don't understand that question. What do you mean? You can do anything. And any, you're going to do it awesome. You know that it would not fail. You're guaranteed success. Guaranteed success. So what do you do? Oh, well, I'll probably get my um, Roger Rabbit sequel yeah. made. <laughs> I thought you'd say that. Well, yeah, but I mean, but like, talk about tell people a little bit about how this came about. Oh, okay. Well, how old were you when Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out? Uh, I would have been eight, I think, eight or nine. Yeah, eight or nine. And how old were you when you had this dream? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I saw Roger Rabbit at the cinema in Warrnambool yeah. um, when it came out, and it is in my like top 10 movies of all time. It's just stuck with me. And, the, and what I love about it is the, the older I get, the more, more things I love about it. And I think it is genuinely an amazing film beyond any nostalgia I place on it. I, sure. I, no, it, <laughs> it's a, it's I just a, know that you're a nostalgic guy. Yeah. I, I love my nostalgia too. Um, but it's a noir film, Yeah, you know, and it just happens to be, have animated characters. In it. It's brilliant. But yeah, I had a dream um, well, it was when we were doing podcasts. What was that, like three, two years ago? It was during the podcast that you had the dream. Well, um, I thought it was much before that because you'd written out this entire script. Yeah, but it wasn't that much f- before. It okay. must have been, maybe it was like four, four, four years ago or something. So, I was, yeah, I was like 30, 31, you know, 40, 32. <laughs> um, and I dreamt the first, basically the first act of this film, of this sequel. And so I went, that's really good i'd like to see that so i'm gonna write it so i started writing the script and then i had to figure out what happened next and, and how it sort of transpired so it was a good exercise in plotting a film um and i used it uh, that was again like much like with a book i'd never written a book before it was like one of the few things i'd never written before was a feature film script um and it's funny, like I'd written, I've worked on scripts for short films. I just recently did um, some work on a pilot for a TV show that was getting pitched. Um, and I think writing this Roger Rabbit sequel that's never going to get made was really, really helpful in doing this other job of, you know, trying to write the sitcom pilot. So... So, yeah, I'm glad I did it for probably never meant to anything, but it was a good process and it was all just because I happened to have a dream. Um, and I don't think I could ever, I don't think I ever would have sat down and figured out how to, to a, a plot for a sequel. Yeah. And it was only that I had this dream that I did it. And I, I, this is probably the weird thing. And I, I 
I know this was supposed to be the last question, but this is something I realized recently that kind of like understanding your own limitations as a creative person, I think I've figured out I'm not really great with ideas, like with actual coming up with ideas. Like this part. Well, yeah, it's probably the hardest bit. And I, it took your subconscious to do it. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have come up with, I wouldn't have come up with the idea for this Roger Rabbit script, but because I had the dream, it just kind of was there. And so then I could, once I had that starting point, I could, I could run with it. The same with the novel that was kind of handed to me. Here's the, here's the basic plot and I can run with it. As a songwriter, a lot of the stuff I did in probably the biggest band I was in or the, the most success I ever had musically at some sort of popular level, you know, a lot of the songs, I only realized this recently from the blog I was doing about it, about the, when I put all my songs up on this blog, but a lot of the ideas for songs were coming from my songwriting partner. I realized that I wasn't bringing in as anywhere near as many ideas. And I think that's where I found my strength as a writer is that once the, the idea is there, I think I'm really great at running with it and honing it and shaping it and pulling it apart to take it in a different direction if it doesn't work. But the actual ideas part, I mean, that I, I don't know if that's my strength. Yeah, well, that's a skill in itself. I was only just today listening to Bill Simmons talk about the first season of Jimmy Kimmel's talk show, and Adam Carolla was the guy in the pitch, the writer's room that you didn't want to sit next to because he'd have so many great things to input, but he would just take everyone else's ideas and tell them, this is how you make it better. That yeah. sounds like the kind of thing that sounds like... Yeah, I'm that guy. With. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I think maybe it's because maybe a few people have worked that out and that's why they work with me, like, but they've never told me this. <laughs> so, like, you know, my songwriting partner in the 80 Aces, uh, it was partly because he couldn't play an instrument, so I was sort of a conduit for, yeah. you know, realising the material and making it musical. But um, I think he also worked out very quickly that was a strength I had, that he could bring me an idea and it, it would come to life. Um, I did some work on a few short films um, where a mate got me to come in and, and uh, he'd written the script, but I would kind of script, not script doctor it, but hone it and improve it. And, you know, really? yeah. And I, I'd come in, I'd just go, that character can go lose all his scenes, get rid of that yeah. character, adds nothing. And the same thing with this sitcom stuff as well. I got kind of roped in after the basic idea was there and uh, the first, the pilot was sort of mostly written and then I went through and I, I sent them like, I rewrote the whole first half of the episode and I said, I think you're on the right track, but I'm just going to give you this. I think this is how I would sort of hone it. And yeah, I'm that guy that kind of goes, this is how you make your idea better. <laughs> so, but maybe that's what, maybe that's why I got invited to do that. Yeah. So they feed on that kind of person. And maybe, maybe that's come from journalism and trying to take the meat out of What's in- yeah, I don't know. I guess it, yeah, part of this maybe figuring figure out what's important and what's yeah. not. And I mean, in film, that can be really. I find that really easy with film stuff. I find myself watching films and just and going, "Why is it here?" Yeah, that we didn't need that whole bit of this film. Um, Why is Thor climbing into that pool? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good example. <laughs> um, why is Batman versus Superman just so much of that? <laughs> why is any of that? But yeah. There's one of my sort of big bugbears with films, but it's, I think it's partly a, one of my strengths of my, of my writing is trying to be concise and direct to figure out what needs to be and what doesn't, mm. as well as not being able to come up with my own ideas, but just honing other people's ideas, apparently. <laughs> That's it.
Well, thanks for talking. We've gone a long time, but we're used to doing podcasts that could go for like 45 minutes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, old habits die hard. If you want to hear the uh, Roger Rabbit pitch, just Google how to pitch a movie, super terrific happy hour. That's our old podcast, which is still up. All 80 episodes of it. Uh, yeah, the episodes are on the standards website, but iTunes only has like 11 or 12. Yeah, I found them all in like an archive yeah. thing. Yeah. Because I found one the other day. Yeah. There it is. Don't forget to check out Matt's blog, Movies Ate My Life. And you can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Matt Neal. That's Dr. Matt Neal. And I'm at Johnny himself. Until next week, keep putting in work.